Welcome to Abide's Kids Bedtime Stories. I'm Tyler Boss. Today's story is brought to you by our partners at Life Audio. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Head over to lifeaudio.com now. Remember, you can have full access to all our meditations commercial-free. Just text ABIDE to 22433 for 25% off. All right, it's time to settle into bed and drift off to sleep with this bedtime story. Welcome to this Abide Sleep Story. We're glad and honored you've decided to join us tonight as you go to sleep. Come on with me to one of my favorite places and meet one of my favorite people. We call her Granny Edith, and I've known her since I was, so oh, just a child. She's not my real granny, but she's always been there, with a story and a song, and sometimes a story about a song. And oh, how she loves Jesus, and she wants you to love him too. Her porch is the happiest place I've ever been, and if you try real hard, I just bet you can smell whatever it is she's baking tonight. You just settle in, and Granny Edith will be right here. And he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there. Oh, hello there. I'm so glad you decided to join me tonight. You can call me Granny Edith, or even just Granny. I answer to both. I've been all over the world in my time, but this is my favorite place to be. Right here on the porch of this big old house my daddy built. Oh, so many years ago. And I've had many guests on this porch. In fact, we have gatherings with people from my church all the time. Dinners and baptisms, that kind of thing. And I get to make desserts for all of them. (laughs) In fact, I was making things ready for an upcoming gathering all day. Not in the kitchen, but... In the garden. I have a pretty good-sized garden where I grow a lot of food that I eat. Lots of vegetables, but also lots of fruits. In fact, did you know that tomatoes are a fruit? (laughs) Well, that's no never mind. I wasn't making a tomato dessert anyway. Sounds pretty disgusting, if you ask me. Although there is a beautiful tomato pie. So there's that. I have some raspberry bushes that I was picking from today. I make what the kids these days, or probably the kids a few years back, call a mean raspberry pie. <laughs> I think that means it's really good. (laughs) I don't want to sound boastful, but it has won awards, along with my strawberry sour cream pie. 
I'll get you the recipe sometime if you'd like. Spending that time in my garden today has made me thirsty. And I'll probably be a little bit sore tomorrow. It's hard work tending a garden. But I think it's worth it. Fresh fruit and fresh vegetables that you grow are so much better than produce you buy in a store. I have no problem with buying these items in the store, but if you can grow them yourself, like they used to do in the old days, they're so much better. It's work, and it takes time. But when you bite into a raspberry or strawberry that hasn't been sprayed with a bunch of preservatives and food coloring, <laughs> it just melts in your mouth. <laughs> Let me tell you about what God says about gardens and working in his word, the Holy Bible. There's actually quite a bit there about gardens and how we treat the land we work on. You might not think it sounds terribly exciting, but it's good to know. And if you fall asleep while I'm telling you, well, that's okay, too. Why don't I say a word of prayer first? Dear God, thank you for this day. I'm grateful for all the things I was able to get done and all the work I was able to accomplish. I pray that you will keep me feeling strong and that what I did today won't cause me pain tomorrow. Be with my friend who came to visit. Give them a good night of rest and peace and please renew their heart and mind. I pray tomorrow will be a great day filled with blessings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I told you I've been working in my garden today, picking fruit for my pies. I make those pies from the same recipe my mama taught me. I don't even have it written down. She taught me how to make them in the kitchen I still work in. <laughs> I taught my daughters how to make them too, so the family traditions continue. When my mama taught me... She didn't use canned fruit or frozen fruit. They weren't available that far back. So, everything came from the garden. She taught me when I was just a little girl how to plant and when to gather up the fruit and vegetables. She also taught me that when God created the earth and the whole universe, he put the first people, Adam and Eve along with all the animals, in a garden. It was called the Garden of Eden. And because there had been no sin to corrupt things yet, it was perfect. Now, it wasn't just a vegetable garden, but a garden that had trees, bushes, and every kind of plant you can imagine. I believe there were flowers there and waterfalls, beautiful brooks and rivers. In fact, the Bible tells us that there was a river that ran through it that split up into four other smaller rivers. In that garden was a tree, the tree of life. 
if Adam and Eve had eaten from that tree, maybe they would have lived forever. Unfortunately, they ate from a tree God told them not to. And things worked out differently. Imagine what the Garden of Eden must have been like. Now, I want you to think about the most beautiful place you've ever been. A place with so much natural charm that you almost can't believe it's real. Now, multiply that by a hundred. Or maybe a thousand. Probably even more. Imagine that place. Only God had done the planting and the landscaping. I just don't think there's anything we can do that will compare to what God brings to the table. His garden is perfect. And what grows there will meet all our needs. I don't know about you, but I think that sounds pretty special. So, God himself planted a garden in Eden and put Adam there to live. The Bible says that then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Did you catch that? God gave Adam a job. <laughs> to be a gardener. <laughs> when God brought Eve to Adam, it was to work alongside him. So she was a gardener too. I like that I get to do the same work that God tasked Adam and Eve to do. In those first days, gardening was a bit different. Like I said, they didn't have some of the issues that we have today. For instance, when I was picking those raspberries today, I pricked my hands on some of the thorns that grow on the bushes. I should have been wearing gloves, but I find that when I do, I crush more of the berries. So I usually do it with bare hands. Anyway, in the Garden of Eden, there were no thorns or thistles. The Bible is clear that those things weren't around until after Adam sinned. All of creation changed. God changed the very character of the world he created as punishment for sin. It even says in Genesis 3 that God cursed the ground. That is pretty serious if you ask me. But he had to do it. There are consequences when you sin. There's always a price to be paid. And things like thorns, thistles, tornadoes, and snow are all part of the price we pay. I know, I know, you like snow. <laughs> I don't blame you. And the Bible doesn't say it's part of the curse, but when it snows on my garden, I can't help but be a bit disappointed. I have to believe it didn't snow on Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Anyway, later on, God took his people, the Israelites, out of bondage in Egypt and led them to the promised land. On the way there, God had special instructions for the land where they would live. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verses 1 through 5, we hear what God commanded. 
The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. Basically, what God said was, every seventh year the land needed to rest. For a while, the Israelites did that, and the land flowed with milk and honey, the way God described it. But after a while, they stopped resting the land every seven years. They were disobedient. In fact, they skipped the land Sabbath for 490 years. So how did God respond? He sent in the Babylonian Empire to conquer the Israelites and lead them away into captivity. God's people had been disobedient and skipped 70 Sabbath years. So, God kept them in captivity for 70 years. We might say, how do we know that's what happened? Because the Bible tells us so. Second Chronicles 36.21 says, To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths all the days of its desolation, it kept Sabbath until 70 years were complete. God used those 70 years to heal the land, and when the Israelites returned, it was all set for them. My mama taught me about this when I was just a little girl, and I decided I was going to give it a try when I had my own garden. I tried it, and it seems to work really well. Every seven years, I move my garden to another spot and let the old spot go fallow. I think it helps a lot. I remember a time when I was younger, back in the 1930s, there was a time that is usually referred to as the Dust Bowl. It was a period of a few years when there were a series of dust storms in some of the southern states, where it's mostly dry land and dirt farms. Some of those dust storms were pretty big, and whole houses would get buried. I've seen movies of these clouds of dirt going all the way to New York City and the Statue of Liberty. It was pretty serious. How did that happen? I couldn't say for sure, but I've heard scientists say that farming that land for a couple hundred years had removed all the moisture from the land and caused all that dry dirt to rise up when there was a lot of static electricity. Now, I'm not a scientist or weather person, so I can't say that's for sure. But I will say this. There's a reason that God told his people to let the land rest every seven years. So, that's why I try to do that with my garden. And so far, it's worked out okay. 
God has so much to say about gardens and growing food. His word tells us what he commanded the Israelites, and even though we as Christians are not subject to the law of Moses, it sure doesn't hurt to follow some of his instruction. Leviticus 26 verses 3 and 4 say, If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Many of the parables of Jesus speak about farming, the harvest, or working in vineyards. One thing I haven't said a whole lot about yet, but is something that I'd be wrong not to mention, working in a garden, and especially on a farm, is a lot of work. A lot of work. God never tells us that we shouldn't be working hard. In fact, he tells us the opposite. Second Thessalonians 3 verses 10 through 12 are an example of that. Paul is writing to the church in Thessaloniki, where people were not working or helping because they believed that Jesus was going to return right away. It's a great thought. We should be expecting Jesus at any time, but we need to be taking care of ourselves and others. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. My mama said it a lot easier. You don't work, you don't eat. And she meant it. <laughs> she wasn't unkind. She was just telling me and my siblings that we weren't allowed to be lazy. She taught us how to work, and that didn't fail us at any point in our lives. Remember when I was talking about the Garden of Eden, back at the beginning of the Bible and the beginning of the earth? Well... God is pretty good at telling us what is going to happen in the end, too. The Bible started with a garden, and it ends with a garden, or at least a tree. I told you about that tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. Well, there's a tree of life in the new Jerusalem, part of the new heaven and the new earth, where Christians are going to spend eternity with God. In Revelation 22... The first three verses, the angel of God shows the Apostle John a vision of what it's going to be like. Take a listen. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Did you hear that? A tree that produces new fruit each month, different fruit each month. 
There's no tree on earth right now that can do that. And John learned that the curse would be lifted. It would be gone. That curse that we've lived under since Adam ate the fruit, all gone. What a beautiful thought. I love that. And I love knowing that God has that plan and has had that plan in place since the beginning. We're going to be there. And we're going to be worshiping God forever. You know me, I love to sing. And I'm going to get to sing praises to God for eternity. I also like to think I'll be working in a garden that God has prepared for us. What fun. I can't wait to find out what it means that the leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. Well, I suppose I should let you go to sleep now. I'm an old woman, and sometimes I'd just keep on talking if you let me. I'd love it if you'd come back to visit me here on my porch. I'll tell you another story, or maybe even sing you a song. We'll see. Why don't you let me say a word of prayer right now, okay? Dear God, I am truly, truly thankful for the time I get to spend with my friend. I pray that you would give them peace and rest right now, and that sleep will come easily. It is an honor to have them come visit me and spend some time. I pray that you will bless them in every good way, as only you can. I pray now that you will calm their mind and their heart and give them the rest that only comes from you. You are such a loving and holy God, and we love you. We thank you for the plan that you have for us and that garden with the tree of life. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and that greatest gift of all that we can spend eternity with you in a holy and perfect place. With you. Thank you. Thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You rest now. And I'll see you again sometime. Always remember... You are welcome on my porch anytime. God bless you. Good night, my friend. Sleep well. And come back and see Granny Edith again soon. She has many more stories to tell. <laughs>